Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are here this evening to celebrate a death. And that should sound strange to you. We don't celebrate death. Culturally, when people attend funerals, they may expect to celebrate a life, but never a death. Even enemies. To think about celebrating the death of an enemy, even that makes my skin crawl. We don't celebrate death. It's a difficult concept for us. It's foreign. When when basketball icon Kobe Bryant passed away a few months ago, the, the world united to mourn his death to celebrate his life. No one celebrates death. And yet, dare I say it again, tonight, we are here to celebrate a death. This is the most serious topic that we could discuss. And yet, at the same time, it is the most mysterious most amazing, most beautiful truth, most comforting truth that we could ever possibly focus our attention on. Tonight we are here to celebrate a death, a death that reconciled a world of sinners to the holy God. We're living in a a really strange time. Our lives have been flipped upside down. Our our government is so concerned about this virus that is impacting the whole world that they've made some really significant changes, changes that could have a long impact on our lives. We don't know exactly how this will impact our economy long term. We don't really know yet how this will impact our lives for the long haul. Starting to seem like maybe this is going to have a, a really large impact on our lives going forward. And yet, why is our government willing to do this? It's become convinced that the threat to life is real. Our government is trying to save as many lives as it can. And I suppose, rightfully so, that's kind of the government's job to look out for its citizens, to protect us. And yet it's also an interesting commentary on how humans think, at least by nature. If you pushed me, and if I pushed you, we would all acknowledge, yeah, these bodies are going to die. They they can't live forever. I'm not going to pull off a feat that my grandfather was unable to pull off. I'm not going to live forever while he died. These bodies die. Deep down, we know that, and yet... We spend so much of this life trying to preserve these lives. Eat better. Exercise more. Drink less alcohol. Don't smoke cigarettes. Wear your seatbelt. Be careful. We're always trying as hard as we can 
to take the best care of these bodies as possible so that we can live. And don't get me wrong, it is good and God-pleasing for a Christian to take good care of the body, the life that God has entrusted to us. And yet, these bodies are not going to live forever. Try as hard as we might. Our hearts will stop beating one day. Our lungs will stop breathing. We will die. And we deserve far worse. Jesus talked about it in, in Mark chapter 9. He said, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your sin causes you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Eternal fire. That's how Jesus describes hell. <clears throat> we, we may be good at going through this life ignoring the reality of death. If you're like me, we spend a lot of our days doing just that. Acting as though we're never going to die. And yet I think we do the same thing with hell. Just like we're good at ignoring the reality of death, we're also good at ignoring the reality of hell. We're also quite good at just acting like it doesn't exist. Forgetting about it completely. Forgetting how serious sin is. Sin took bodies that were designed to live forever and made them 100% perishable. Sin is the cause of infection and viruses like the one we're facing. Sin is the cause of selfishness and, and bitterness and rage and anger. Sin is the reason. Sin is the reason that the love of so many is growing colder and colder by the day, just as Jesus said it would. Sin is the reason for hatred and division. Sin is the reason that this world can often be a depressing, miserable place. But, but worse than all the impacts that sin has in this life, on these bodies, is the impact that sin has in our relationship with God. It separates us from Him. It makes it impossible for us to stand in the presence of a holy, glorious God. It makes hell our eternal destination. Think about that. Sin makes hell our eternal destination, the place that we would suffer forever. And that's what makes Jesus so remarkably beautiful. The glorious, holy, eternal Son of God in whose presence we cannot stand because of our sin, he set aside his glory and he came into our presence. He didn't just come and stand among us, he became one of us. 
He entered into this sin-infested world. He came here into your presence and mine so that we could be with him in his presence forever. He took on a body that would die. But his death would not be the result of his own sin. He had none. He died Adam's death. He died my death. He died your death. He suffered the fires of hell, the hell that we deserve for all of our sin. He endured that so that we never would. This week I was reading that book of sermons that I told you about a few months ago. A sermon written by a pastor who lived about 150 years ago named C.F.W. Walther. I want to read you a little quote of a sermon that he preached to his people over 150 years ago on Good Friday. He said, On this day, many years ago, the Most Holy Himself died the death of the sinner in order that the sinner might live on this day. The Almighty Himself was conquered by the power of darkness that weak men, conquered by the depths of darkness, delivered from His power, might triumph eternally. On this day, even He whose goings forth have been from of old, from eternity, came to the end of his days that salvation might be brought again for fallen mankind. On this day, the very inexhaustible fount of life from which the life of all beings flowed dried up in order to give life to the dead hearts of all sinners the sun of eternal love set in order that those who were threatened with eternal darkness could shine in all eternity. The eternal sun of the great God poured out his holy blood in order to extinguish the fire of God's wrath over the sins of men. In short, what Paul said, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to reconcile a world of sinners to himself, to a holy, righteous God, so that we could be in his presence for eternity. And when Jesus was finished doing that, when he was finished reconciling the world of sinners to himself, reconciling you, reconciling me, when he was finished, he said so. So that you would know it's finished. He said it is finished, not for him. He knew. For you. For me. So that you would know that his work of reconciling, his work of restoring the relationship between you and your God was finished, complete. He didn't leave anything for you to do. He didn't leave anything for me to do. He just wanted you to know that his work of saving you is finished. And then he bowed his head and he died. He, he was finished living the perfect life that we failed to live. 
He was finished enduring the hell that we deserve. He died. The death that you and I deserve for our sins. But he didn't die until he was finished. Finished saving you. Finished saving me. I don't know when we'll be finished with this coronavirus. I don't know when it's all going to be over. I, I don't know when we'll be finished relying on online worship. But tonight I get to tell you something I do know. Jesus is finished. He has replaced our eternal destination of hell with paradise. He has replaced eternal suffering with eternal peace. He's replaced eternal death with eternal life. And he's finished. There's no more work to do. Jesus' death is a death worth celebrating. And so that's what we're going to do. We will celebrate the death of our Savior Jesus. Amen.